I tell them to, Angel said calmly, as if she'd been doing this, or at least watching R-rated mafia movies after I'd gone to sleep, her whole life. I must admit, as a tactic, the shock factor was super effective. Everyone was frozen with disbelief. For a moment, it was as if we were all on the same team, trying to talk down a psycho from the ledge. Every single one of us wanted that gun out of that child's hands. The scary thing was, she didn't look like a child anymore. She looked very, very focused. And I was very, very focused on the barrel of the gun. Put it down. The guy holding Jeb told her, You don't know what you're doing. Yes, she does, said Dylan seriously. Well then what does she think she's doing? The woman he had captive asked through clenched teeth. Okay, so what happens next is that everyone shuts up and listens to what I have to say. Angel demanded. Tell me to shut up, and I speak. I'm listening, Angel. I simply cannot wait to hear this one. She gave me a look. Listen to me, Max. One by one, and only when I say... Angel began. The grown-ups will turn around and walk away without hurting us. And if you don't do it, I'll pull the trigger. And then what happens? You'll kill Max. Thanks said hoarsely. Right. Her grip, her arm didn't waver. And you grown-ups all know as well as I do that Max is the price. The only price that really matters to your boss. You know exactly who I'm talking about. He would be very, very mad if she died and it was your fault, wouldn't he? That would be very, very bad for you, wouldn't it? You wouldn't kill a member of your own flock. You'd never do it. The guy whose neck was under my foot cried from the floor. Is that what you think? Angel smiled. Max, what do you think? I only needed to consider it for a millisecond. No question about it, I said, staring her down. She would do it. Give us one good reason why we should believe that, squawked Dylan's captive. In case you guys didn't catch last week's episode, I'm out of the flock. I informed them, letting my voice shake as much as possible. Angel has no allegiance to me. She's going to be gone for a long time. And in case you didn't catch all the episodes from the past year, Angel is... unbalanced. Untrustworthy. Fang seconded. Unpredictable. Jeb added. Dangerous. Dylan chimed in. The other kids were, thankfully, too scared to speak up. Right. Angel said slowly. That's just the word I would use. But I think everyone understands that now. So Dylan... You can let your lady there go. She's under control. Nice and easy, ma'am. Just turn around and walk away. As Dylan slowly loosened his grip, the woman's eyes glazed over, and, zombie-like, she headed out of the restaurant. Angel's gaze was back on me now, strong and steady. Max, I think the gentleman under your foot is ready now. Bye-bye. 
leave. Don't ever come looking for us again. She told him firmly. Even after seeing Angel in action all these years, I was still awed by her powers as I lifted my foot and watched the man peel himself from the floor and stumble out. And finally, you, sir, with the gun. You're going to leave now without hurting any of us bird kids. Go home and forget everything that just happened, okay? Okay, he said, with a bizarre expression on his face. Then he pulled the trigger. There was a pop, and Jeb collapsed. The rest of us gasped in horror. I didn't hurt any of you bird kids, he said emotionlessly, just like you said. Looking dazed, he dropped his gun to the floor and ran out. Chapter 66 Jeb always said he'd take a bullet for us. Now that he had, it significantly changed my sense of superiority over him. If he died, I would have some major soul-searching to do. Advice. Don't wait until someone you have issues with, especially someone you're related to, gets shot before you work it out. Fortunately, the bullet seemed to have missed the important parts, but he'd lost a lot of blood, so there was no way we could avoid the dreaded hospital. I'd rather be in a zoo. Instead, I was in a waiting room, taking out my frustrations on a vending machine that wasn't working. I really needed some chocolate. Max, I heard someone call. I felt my stomach unknot slightly. Mom! I hurried to her, and we hugged. I'm not a huggy person, but her hugs were pretty much the best hugs on earth. Chap's had a surgery, she said. It looks like he'll be fine. Feng and I led my mom to a room where the rest of the flock was under observation. The agents that Angel had hired had set up their private security guys outside the door. They didn't want word of this leaking out. These kids were no longer marketable. Dr. Martinez, Nudge said, managing a weak smile. Mom was good about not grimacing. Nudge's skin looked like chocolate pudding bubbling in a pot on the stove. The rest looked like they had been dipped in a cauldron of lye. Doctors had swabbed the flock sores, taken blood, taken their temperatures, but hadn't found squat. Oh my gosh, Nudge, my mom said gently. She smoothed some of Nudge's corkscrew curls off her forehead, then went around and said hi to everyone else. I'm Dylan, Dylan said, when she paused by his bed, looking confused. He's the latest, um, acquisition, I explained weakly. Even with his messed up skin, he still looked like he'd been designed by Gods R Us. Except now, it was Trolls R Us. But like a troll, he would totally be a pinup in all the teen troll magazines. Hi, Dylan, my mom said. I'm Valencia Martinez, Max's mom. Dylan's puffy eyes widened. You have a mother? He asked me. Wow, I had no idea. Do you have a father too, then? Bad, bad question. My mom quickly changed the subject. You know, I read about a case where someone poisoned a spy with a radioactive element, she said. The pictures I saw kind of looked like this. Oh, holy crap, I said, putting my hand to my mouth. It's not radiation poisoning, said a voice. Jeb. My mom went over and closed the door behind him. How do you know? I demanded of Jeb. Did you have something to do with this? No said Jeb. He was wearing a hospital gown, open in the back, and I hoped he was enjoying the breeze. An IV dripped into his arm, 
and Ewan wheeled its little stand in with him. He looked pale and weak. After all, he had taken a bullet for us. Maybe I should be a tad less accusatory. No, he repeated. And I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's an accelerator of some kind. A genetic accelerator. What the heck is that? Guzzy asked. Jeb paused. Well, it's something that would react with your genes. Basically introducing new mutations and speeding up mutations you already have. I think all of us got dosed, except maybe Max and Fang, because they were gone. But it's having an effect only on you, whose DNA has already been modified. There was an appalled silence. I'd been gone for like two days, and in that time, everything had completely careened out of control. But what if it helps us become even better? Angel said, ever the creepy optimist. Her normally beautiful face looked like a personal-sized pizza with eyes. We could be like superheroes. Yeah, so far that's working out well for you, I said, gesturing to everyone's ruined skin. Do you have any idea who would... I stopped as the obvious answer came to me. Dr. Seersucker. Angel sat up. Dr. Gunderhagen is really brilliant, Max. You want to be accelerated? Fine. But you have no idea what's going to happen to you next. We already know that your good doctor's self-healing genetics can have some pretty scary side effects. Angel frowned, and Dylan looked concerned. I had forgotten he'd been gifted with Dr. Gunther Hagen's magic spit. My mom turned to Jeb, who was leaning against a wall, looking gray. Is there any way to know what will happen to them? How toxic is it? Is it deadly? Is there any way to get it out of their systems? Um, I'm not really sure. I don't think so, and I doubt it said Jeb, trying to answer all her questions. My guess is that this initial bad reaction might be the shock of having it introduced to their systems. I'm hoping that once it's absorbed, these side effects will go away. There's someone conducting an experiment, Feng said slowly. Frowning, he turned to Jeb. Someone who'd want to be there to see the results. Jeb held up a hand. Don't even go there, Feng. The accelerant would have had to been in a shared source say, in the air or water at the house. I would have been affected too. But it wouldn't affect you, because you're normal. Feng objected. You said so yourself. It's just a theory, Jeb said. This was not my doing. My mom interjected. Let's focus on the important thing here. Is there any way to undo this? Jeb shook his head. If I'm right, it would have been designed to start binding to their DNA immediately inserting its enzymes and amino acids directly into their chromosomes. I sank down onto a hard plastic chair. Oh my god. This could give us cancer, Nudge said, blinking back tears. Or turn us into, like, paradactyls or something, said Gazzy. It wouldn't take much. He looks stoic. Jeb sighed. We should contact Dr. Gutherhagen to see if he admits to any of this. Or even if he won't admit to it, maybe he'll give us clues as to what it is. The idea of contacting the doc for help was totally crazy to me. Excuse me, but hadn't Jeb just been shot by one of the man's employees? I would vote to get out of here, get to a safe house, and see what happens over the next 24 hours, I suggested. I'll call a contact at the CSM, said my mom, reaching for her phone. He'll be able to help us find a place but I only had one real desire right then. 
to go back to Colorado and drink the water. If my flock was going through this, I needed to go through it too. Book 4. The Totally, Completely Unthinkable. Chapter 67. Total was glad to see us all again. His own horrible skin lesions were somewhat disguised by his black fur, but he was definitely suffering the same effects. I feel like crap, he said once we were settled at the new safe house. At first, I thought I'd gotten some bad shrimp dip, but this is way beyond that. How's Akila? I asked. She seem okay? Yes, thank God. His small black eyes glittered. Which reminds me, I've got some big news. Max, come look at the sunset, said Dylan. I'd been avoiding him ever since we got here, even though I'd felt his eyes on me whenever we were in the same room. Nadja told me he was a great singer and could totally be a star, on top of being a great fighter who got along swimmingly with the rest of the flock. Without meaning to, I glanced across the room at Fang, who'd been talking to Gazzy and Iggy. His gaze was lasered in on me. Oh, I'm sure it's great, I said to Dylan lamely. The picture window showed the low mountains off in the distance, and we could see a bit of the ocean if we leaned away to the left on the balcony. You don't know what you're missing, Dylan said, a wistful smile on his slightly less troll-like face. But I'd understand if you want to keep your distance from, he pointed at himself, this mess. Can't you, like, put some magic spin on it and make it all better? I asked, only half joking. Tried it already, he chuckled. Guess even the doc's magic doesn't work on bad teenage complexions. I'm doomed. The irony of Dylan complaining about his usually perfect skin was not lost on me. I laughed, then smothered it, not willing to be sucked into his charm. The rest of the flock was starting to seem better too, as Jeb had predicted. They had more energy, and their skin looked less awful. If Jeb was right, their systems were absorbing the reactant, binding it to their genes, and it would soon be normal, a part of them. Great. I kept waiting for antlers to pop out of their heads, or for them to start understanding Akila when she barked. I mean, what the heck was going to happen to them? The next day, the skin lesions were virtually gone. But we hardly even noticed, because, lo and behold, something else was gone too. Angel. Do you want to join me in the next word? Okay, everyone, all together now. Again. It wasn't like other times, when we had to mobilize our forces and piece together clues and leap out into the air on a rescue mission. This time, we only had to read the note. Dear Flock, and Max, and Dr. Martinez, and Jeb, and Dylan, you guys are wrong about Dr. Hollins. He wants to help us, and for us to be the best we can be. You don't trust him because you don't trust anybody. But I want to be more powerful. I want to know what he's working on. I've gone to work with him. Please don't follow me. Things will only get messy if you do. Love, Angel. P.S. I just want to remind you that Feng's time is about up. Him being there puts the rest of the flock in danger. I'm sorry, Feng. Chapter 68 Can we put a boot on her? Like a little car? Gazzy asked, rubbing his hair in frustration so that it stood up straight. Yeah, maybe we should start locking her in at night. I said wryly. Could she have been... kidnapped? My mom asked. We all quickly looked around. There was no sign of disturbance. Everything was still locked. And the note was in Angel's handwriting. No, I think she decided to go. I said. As much as I wish that weren't true. 
What does she mean about Fang's time being up? Jeb asked. She said that in Africa, Nudge said. She said Fang was gonna die. Die? My mom's eyes widened. She was just trying to get attention, said Fang. It doesn't mean anything. Suddenly, I had a thought. One of those awful thoughts that you hate right away, and yet you can't ever unthink it. I felt my heart start to pound as I stood up. Fang, let me see the back of your neck. Those of us who graduated from, or should I say, escaped from, have expiration dates, like milk. We first noticed them on erasers, after they had expired. Dates, like little tattoos, showed up on the backs of their necks. They seem to become visible about a week, maybe less, before the built-in expiration date gene kicks in. Do we have long, full lives ahead of us? Or are we living on borrowed time? No clue. It makes retirement planning, like, impossible. Fang stood up. In the past year, he'd gotten taller than I was, so I had to stand on tiptoe a bit to see his neck. I didn't want to look. Didn't want to know. Couldn't even let myself think of what it would mean if I saw a date there. But I'm not a coward. So I brushed his silky black hair off the smooth skin of his neck. The same neck I'd kissed not long ago. I could smell his clean fang smell. The one he inexplicably had, even when he was noticeably filthy and covered in gore. And I looked. And saw... Just smooth, plain, tan fang skin. I let out a breath I didn't know I'd been holding. No date, I told the others, and they visibly relaxed. Do I have a date? Dylan's quiet voice almost made me jump. I'd forgotten that he was there. I don't know, I said. You were made by different people, I think. Uncertainty played across his once again gorgeous face. I took pity on him. I could... look, I guess. He came to stand close to me and turned his back. His streaky blonde hair wasn't as long as Fang's, but I still had to push it out of the way and tug down a tiny bit on the neck of his maroon t-shirt. I hadn't been this close to Dylan before, and I realized that he smelled good in a completely different way. Clean. Spicy. Then I realized what I was thinking, and my cheeks burned. I took a fast look at his neck and snatched my hands away. No date. Not that that means anything. At least you don't have one said my mom. We know what having one means. We don't know what not having one means. Still, Angel's note had reignited the fears I'd tried to bury. What if all the attacks in the recent days had been meant for Fang? The eraser attack. The Cirque shooter. The Furioso incident. What if all these had been designed to get Fang? I remembered how Dylan had chopped the woman's gun out of her hand at the restaurant. He just might have saved Fang's life. Chapter 69 Where does Dr. God hang out? I asked. Where exactly has Angel gone? How did she know where to find him? Nudge headed to her computer. On it. I'll go with you, Fang told me, already starting to load his pockets with knives, throwing stars, and Snickers bars. No, I said, trying to sound calm. I'll go by myself. He straightened up, and let me tell you, it was all I could do not to crumble and beg for him to come with me. Any fight was possible with Fang as my backup. Any trip was more fun. But what if this was all designed to get him? I just didn't know. I couldn't take that chance. 
The thought of anything happening to Fang, it was much worse than thinking of anything happening to me. Fang, typically, didn't start pelting me with questions. Instead, he looked at me, cocked his head slightly, and thought things through. You think you'll have more of a chance of success without me? He asked mildly. No, I answered honestly. Of course not. But I'm willing to risk me. I'm not willing to risk you. He opened his mouth to start arguing, but I held out my hand. Fang, we don't know what this whole Fang's time is up thing is about. But if it turns out that Angel's doing this as part of that, then I don't want to make it easy for them, you know? I turned to Jeb. After the shooting incident, I felt I had to trust him more. Are you going to be staying here for a while? I asked him. He nodded. You can't go by yourself, Max, said Dylan. I blinked. I mean, I don't take direction from people I love, so direction from people I've practically just met? Not likely. Um, I found an address in Malibu, weirdly enough, said Nudge. Malibu? I frowned. That's practically next door. Max, what if something happens to you? Dylan asked. I ignored him and turned to Jeb. If Fang is harmed in any way while I'm gone, if he gets a hangnail, you won't see another morning. Are we clear on that? Fang crossed his arms over his chest. This is ridiculous. I've never needed a babysitter. Not a babysitter. Just backup, I told him. Eggy, Nudge, and Gazzy are also on duty here. But I don't think I'll be gone long. I moved to leave, and Dylan actually grabbed my shoulders. I was so surprised that I forgot to karate chop his elbows and break his arms. I don't want anything to happen to you, he said urgently. What you want does not matter here, I said slowly and carefully. I hope Dylan was sensitive enough to read it between the lines, to the subtext of, let me go or I'll kill you. He let go of me. Fang was looking at him with narrowed eyes. I didn't have time for this. Okay, later, I said, and strode off to save the day, once again. I hoped. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximoid bootleg audiobook podcast thing. I am your Olive Marky, and somebody responded to the Spotify Q&A thingy which I sincerely don't know how people find it and or answer it, so you guys keep at it. You're doing a great job. Uh, but this one is from Stella, and they said, I absolutely love this podcast. She has an amazing voice, and it's super calming. Thank you, Stella. That is much appreciated. But I think I've only said this once or twice, but I actually use he-they pronouns. But uh, thank you so much. I'm glad my voice can be uh, sultry and calming and whatever else. <laughs> but I'm glad you like this podcast. Thank you. All right. That's all the announcement type stuff I have. So let's move on to the recommendation for this week. This week's recommendation is the video game Ultra Kill. Uh, so my friend who has been trying to get me into all of his niche hyperfixations and interest told me about this one, and he was like, you're gonna love it, just play the demo, just play the demo. I was like, okay, fine. Uh, so, Ultra Kill is a fast-paced uh, first-person shooter that honestly kind of reminds me of Doom, like a uh, old-school Doom, like a dungeon crawler where you run around and shoot stuff. 
but uh, you're running around through hell, I believe. I'm honestly not very far into the game because I haven't had much time to play, but I'm enjoying it enough to recommend it to other people because it's, oh my gosh, it's really, really cool. And you're a robot that is running around through hell, uh, just killing a bunch of demons and stuff. Again, it feels very Doom, uh, but something I thought was pretty cool about this one is that there's no like health packs or anything to regain health. When you uh, shoot and destroy enemies, they kind of blow up in a big smattering of blood and you get health from that blood, which is really cool. You have to like stand under the spray when you uh, kill something and you get healed from that, which is really cool. I've never seen anything like that before. But uh, it's an extremely fast-paced game. I think it would make a really good uh, speedrun game. Speedrunner, I am not, so I'm taking it slow and having a fun time. But uh, there's a bunch of different weapons that you can get, and you can kill enemies in really, really weird ways. Um, but yeah, it's really, really fun. Uh, my friend said that there are gay robots later on, so I'm super looking forward to that. So that is the video game Ultra Kill. And I will leave a link to the Steam page for it in the show notes. There's a demo that you can do where it gives you a pretty good sense of kind of the game in general. It's really hard, but I'm also really bad at video games. So yeah, check that out. If you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. And if you want to leave a rating review, that would be super cool of you to do. Alrighty, I think that's all I gotta say for this time. So, until next time, fly on.